Welcome to Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage, the show that gives you a chance to hang with today's top contemporary jazz artists. I'm your host, Carl Brown. Hey, everybody. Good to be back with you again on Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage. Today's guest just released his first album a few weeks ago, but he is certainly not new to the smooth jazz scene. He's the writing partner, musical director, and keyboardist for smooth jazz star Lindsay Webster. So if you have seen or heard Lindsay, you have definitely seen or heard our guest today. Welcome to the show, keyboardist Mr. Keith Slattery. Keith, good to see you, man. How are you? Great, Carl. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much. First of all, congratulations on your new album, Duality. Thank you. Tell me a little bit about that title. What does that title mean? How did you come up with that title? Uh, there's a long story to this this title. I mean, there is a maybe a philosophical or more, you know, a different reason why that album title was thought of in the first place. But the uh, it originated from right before we did Lindsay's, this would be her third album called Back to Your Heart. Okay. Uh, we had gone into the studio and we had a concept for a double album called Duality. Ah. This was before we had signed with Shanaki Entertainment. Uh, we had gone into the studio and we recorded a selection of songs that ended up making, up, making it onto Back to Your Heart for okay. Lindsay. But we also uh, brought in a different band and did all of the same songs as a jazz quartet. Really? Wow. Yeah, we played uh, this guy named Ira Coleman, who's a very well-known jazz uh, bassist who's worked with Sting, all kinds of people, and uh, another drummer, different drummer, and our longtime guitarist, Mike D'Amico, who, uh, uh-huh. who you know works with us and also with the Brubeck Brothers. The idea was to take the same exact songs and uh, uh, reimagine them in a whole different way. And even some, like, uh, I don't know if you know the song called Those Three Words. Mm-hmm. Sort of, which is in the the uh, meter of three eight. We did it in five eight, and we did all these really cool things. Yeah. So, you know, uh, and the idea was to have duality. It was like you know two records, but combined as a, a double album with uh, you know those different different versions of the songs. So then Shanaki, you know, approached us because we had just gone through uh, months and months of negotiations with uh, Verve Records. Uh-huh. You know, we had a contract that was about I don't know. 300 pages (laughs) you know we had lawyers and you know they wanted everything and it was just back and forth and then at the last minute they ended up restructuring the company and they got rid of the president or was it the president because david foster was maybe the president at that point but the man we were dealing they got rid of everyone and they uh brought in new people um tony bennett's son i forget his name became the president and they were like, we don't know who Lindsay Webster is, and we don't want to do this contract. Wow. So, Shanaki was like, hey, we'll sign you guys. And when we told them about the concept and they listened to everything, they were like, well, we don't really think doing double albums is what we're interested in, and let's just release it as a single album. Okay. So I know that was a long, <laughs> a long explanation, but that was the title of the album at that point. Yeah. And uh, then when uh, I... You know, about halfway through finishing my record, I was like, you know what? I'm going to use that title. Yeah, yeah. 
I, you know, it's interesting. You, you know, I'm glad you shared that story because I don't know that a lot of people understand all that goes into what you guys do as musicians. Like people like me, we get to see you on stage and we get to listen to you at home or on on watercolors wherever we listen. But all that yeah. other stuff is a big part of what you do: the contracts and the negotiations and all oh, that yeah. stuff. And you know, yeah. it's 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 good that you share that because you know the other thing too that I think a lot of people don't recognize or think about is the fact that. There's probably all, all of you guys, especially people that are so experienced like you, you probably have tons of material that we never get a chance to hear because I'm listening to it and I'm thinking, man, I really would love to hear that, you know? Yeah. I mean, it is common, I would say, for Lindsay's CDs, you know, if 10 to 12 songs make it on an album, I mean, I might send her anywhere from 50 to 100 different ideas. No okay. kidding. Wow. Yeah. And she'll, she'll listen to it and she'll go, yep. Nope. Mostly nope. <laughs> yeah. You know, because, you know, I, I just, my thinking is that if I have an idea, I just put it down. I don't spend a lot of time at it. Okay. It might take me an hour or two to put together an idea and uh, I'm not going to work a lot on it unless it somehow uh, motivates or inspires Lindsay to write to it. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so like, yeah. That, how do you, I mean, like, if you're doing that many ideas for a record, where do you keep getting this inspiration from, man? That's a lot of output. I don't know. I mean, people talk about it, and uh, that's a, uh, a long subject or topic to cover, but uh -huh. uh, I, there, it's endless for me. Good for you. <laughs> All I got to do is think of a little melody or a little chord thing or groove or something like that. And then, uh, you know, I'll, I'll work on that. And uh, I mean, I just this morning I sent something to Lindsay and uh, I was like, ah, I think I like this. And then I did it. I sent it to her in email. And then like 10 minutes later, I went outside and I listened to it. And I was like, ah, never mind, Lindsay, don't even bother listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> But on top of it, there are a lot of ideas that Lindsay did has written to mm -hmm. and not only done them as demo recordings, but also like, you know, in the studio with full band. I don't know. We probably got at least 20, 30 songs oh, more than that. What am I saying? It's more like 50 songs probably that we'll never see the light of day. Wow. Wow. That's a lot of work. Well, you know. That's what we do. Yeah, that's what you do. Exactly right. So, so now your first release from Duality was the single It'll Be All Right. And it was on heavy rotation on radio, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. what do you think it was that made that that first song off that project so well received? I, you know, I this is something you can never figure out mm -hmm. when it comes to any song you put out there into the world, you know, uh, with Lindsay, you know, we've had several songs that we thought people would have just really, really liked that just sort of bomb, you know okay. what I mean? So you never know. I think at that time we were just coming out of like the COVID thing and mm -hmm. uh, the vaccinations just had started, I think, right around that time or a month after. And maybe the title, mm -hmm. it'll be all right. Yeah. And kind of a sort of an uplifting song and it certainly didn't hurt to have Everett Hart playing his ass off on it. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah, you can certainly hear that influence in in the song. So you know, I had Lindsay on the show a few weeks ago, and um, we were talking about um, the music that you guys have made together. And you know, there's certainly a certain there's a certain vibe and a certain sound that's on a Lindsay Webster project, but your solo work is different and unique. So like when you were going through this process, how did you figure out, okay, this is more for my work 
business. I'm assuming you were doing developing work. It sounds like you're developing work all the time and you're just figuring out where it fits. How did you figure out what better fits on my project versus mm-hmm. something that I might use with Lindsay? Actually, that song, It'll Be All Right, and another song on the album, 24 Hours, were originally recorded for Lindsay. Okay, okay. And then I, you know, I used on 24 Hours, the, the melody during the verses is that's, uh, Lindsay wrote that. And I just adapted it to, you know, to, to a piano playing the melody as opposed to a vocal. And there were other songs. See, a bulk of the album was recorded with the same people that played on Lindsay's last album. With okay. Nathan and uh, Vinny Kaliuda. So we actually recorded them at the same time. Okay, okay, okay. You know, so we did a whole bunch of Lindsay songs, and then we recorded some of my stuff, and maybe it was going to go on her record, or maybe it was going to go on mine. And, and then I added a couple songs after that, which were all done during COVID and done remotely, not in the studio with the musicians. Gotcha. So what was it that made you say that now is the time for me to do a solo project? I mean, you guys are doing really well. Like you guys are very popular. You know, you guys are, you know, like on the tour scene, you got on the smooth jazz tour scene. You guys are always out there, always on radio. What was it that made you say, Hey, now it's time for me to do a solo. I I don't know. It just came to me someday. I was like, what? I mean, why not? And Uh uh, my father had been bugging me for years about this. When are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? And, uh, so <laughs> it's really funny because I started the process and I don't know if I told him or I sent him something that was rough. And uh, he was like, you mean this isn't just piano? I'm uh, like, no, there's going to be other musicians on it, a band playing, you know? Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, I always meant just piano. <laughs> <laughs> and I am going to do that because uh, a good uh, a friend of mine, a guy named David Sanchez, who... Uh, He's a very famous keyboard player. Another guy I worked with, Sting, and uh, Bruce... <laughs> what's the guy's name? Born in the USA. Uh, Bruce Springsteen. Uh, Springsteen. Springsteen. Yeah. Uh, anyway, very famous. Guy's done a million recordings. He had done an album up here in Woodstock where he just did improv of all solo piano. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then his piano ended up getting sold to a local theater, and they had a little recording set up. That's where I recorded all my acoustic piano at. And then I was, you know, I'm probably going to do that earlier, you know, early in 2022. Just do uh, an improv acoustic piano album where I don't even write the songs. I just sit down at the piano and, and you know, play a bunch of music. That will be cool. That will be cool. So you heard it here, folks. Look forward to that from Keith coming up soon. <laughs> so we got it. We got it. We got it on tape now, Keith. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, I'll have another uh, solo album out probably around this time next year. Fantastic. But to answer your question, it was just time to do it. And a lot of people uh, wanted me to. Uh, Lindsay pushed me to do it. And uh, so I was like, all right. Because my role in all of this stuff and, and just historically in my musical career is I enjoy being the person behind the scenes that mm-hmm. makes things happen. Mm-hmm. So that's writing, that's production, that's, you know, I mean, I'm. Lindsay's road manager and travel agent, you know, like, okay, okay. You know, I do all the stuff behind the scenes that makes me happy. Good. You know, good. So time to, you know, make a little shift and put something out under my own name. Well, we're glad you did, man, because we've certainly enjoyed listening to it. And let's, let's go ahead and take a listen to a cut from duality. This is love is all you need.
right. That was Love Is All You Need by today's guest, Keith Slattery. So, Keith, do you have a, a favorite part of the music making process? You know, that's funny that you asked that because I really was thinking about this yesterday. I do very much enjoy putting down the ideas. Mm-hmm. And like I said earlier, that's that's a quick process for me. I, I You know, it may just be a few chords or a little melody and then I just make a demo. It's rare that it takes like a long time. And I know other artists spend a lot of time on what we would call pre-production or mm-hmm. your demos, demo phase. And uh, I mean, the best songs I think that I've ever written have just come and, and flowed very easily. Yeah. You know, uh, Fool Me Once that I yeah. wrote the music to, that woke me up in the middle of the night. I remember where I was. There was I had a little keyboard in my bedroom. Huh. And uh, I was, my mind, I couldn't sleep because I kept on going through these chord progressions and I couldn't quite figure out how to work it out. And, uh, you know, I got up and, and it happened. So that being said, you know, the whole process going into the studio with musicians is also my favorite Mm -hmm. time of making an album because that's when some magic happens. That's when you get influence uh, ideas from the other musicians. But I will say at the same time, there are parts of making an album that are torturous also. Uh Uh (laughs) There's just, you know, attention to detail and uh, dealing with the minutiae little things that uh you know i'm i'm a virgo and i am a perfectionist in certain ways yeah uh, and that part can be very laborious but you know man when it's done and it's been mastered and you're finished uh, it's such a great feeling yeah i can imagine i'm a virgo too so i know that perfectionist thing you know oh so, great yeah so i know you exactly have your birthday yet? uh august 29th what about you uh, I'm the 19th of September. All right. Well, happy happy birthday, man. Happy birthday. Thank you. So you're back out on the road again. How's that been? Uh, you know, <laughs> it's funny. In the first few gigs were like weird. It was like, uh-huh. you know, COVID was such a, uh, uh, well, still is. But, you know, when that happened, that we were, we just released an album in March. I think it was March 27th. Uh, was our release date for Lindsay's last record. And uh, the last gig we did was New York City at the Iridium on March 11th, which we probably should have never done. Hmm. There were people coughing all over. Okay, okay. <laughs> and usually, you know, we sell out there and our attendance was maybe, I don't know, 30% of the house was full because a lot of people were scared. You yeah, know? yeah. And uh, so the whole thing was sort of like, what are we going to do now? our entire musical careers are just completely halted and stopped. Yeah. Just released an album, you know, and uh, a lot of people dealt with it in different ways, but you know, there were some pretty tough times or I I should say dark times. Mm -hmm. I know that I went through my own cycles with it. Lindsay went through her own cycles with it, but now that we're back at it, you sort of got to get used to what what you used to do. The travel Mm -hmm. is one thing, you know, for me, uh, prepping, you know, the music and the various different musicians that play with us is a whole thing. And, and, and you know, I have to do, uh, like, advancing the shows with the, the production people that yeah. work for the promoters and, you know, who's playing, what kind of, you know, equipment do we need, what time are we going to be there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been a, a little bumpy ride getting back into it, for sure. I was like, oh, God, I forgot that I was supposed to do that. And we're yeah. playing, like, days, you know. 
Uh, but now, since we've been at, I mean, we our first major event was Sea Breeze Jazz Festival okay. in April. And I ended up, believe it or not, after a little over a year of not playing, I got sick. Okay. When we were down in Florida, I got uh, what appears to be norovirus. I got like a, a you know stomach thing. And oh, wow. I, I've played every gig you could possibly ever imagine sick. Yeah. This probably my feet. I could not do it. Wow. Wow. I went all the way down there. So psyched to play Seabreeze. It was with Adam Hawley and, uh-huh. and Lynn. And, uh, you know, I didn't play. I just ended up having to stay in my hotel room. And luckily, I don't know if you know, um, the keyboardist named J. Rowe. Okay. Yeah. So Jay Rowe was there and he was able to take my spot. And uh, uh, so that was the start of it, <laughs> yeah. you know, and but slowly, and uh, you know, we just came off like about a month of a bunch of gigs and, uh, you know, we're back in the groove now. Okay, good, 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 good. Well, we're glad you guys are back out. I think my first um, event was I saw you guys down in Louisville, Kentucky a couple weeks ago. Right. And, yeah. you know, it was so good to see you guys back on stage and, I think COVID took a lot from everybody, but it's and, and it's still doing what it what it does. But um, it was so nice yeah. to see live music again, and couldn't tell. Yeah, that, yeah. We, we really so couldn't much. tell as fans that you guys were just kind of getting back in the groove. You guys were pretty good. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. You know, the other factor in all this is there's a sense of community, especially at the festivals, with a lot of people who know each other, and yeah. uh, I think a lot of the people who go to the festivals have uh, been really uh, happy to go back because they're seeing their friends that are from different parts of the country. Yeah, absolutely. And thank God a lot of these festivals are outside, so I think it's a little bit more of a safer environment than being inside, like, you know, a a small jazz club. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. So when you're out on the road, do you have any sort of a pre-show routine that gets you in the right mind space or heart space to play? Not at all. No? Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) No, I mean, the thing is, I don't know, you know, I know that people go through different things, but I, I mean, in my lifetime, I don't know, I've probably, I've definitely played way over 2000 gigs. So, uh, you know, that's a lot of time on stage. And, uh, I, I, most of the time I'm concerned about making sure that everything is going according to schedule and things are going smoothly. Yeah. So that that occupies me more than uh, you know being nervous or okay. something like that. Yeah, I'm never nervous before a gig. Yeah. Uh, I think the only time that I ever got a little shy was and this is many years ago. Lindsay and I were playing this uh, this uh, dinner club in New York City on a weekly basis. A place called the Lambs Club, and there were famous people there all the time. Okay. And we were in the middle of playing. We were playing like jazz, jazz standards, and you know we would do it with a drummer, just the three of us. And the manager came over to us in between songs. He says, "Oh, listen, I just want you to know that Sting is sitting right over there." Wow! And <laughs> I'm in the middle of a solo, right? And Lindsay, I know, got nervous. And next thing I know, I look up, and Sting is standing literally like two feet in front of me, just like watching. <laughs> So and then he waited till the end of the song, and then he sort of gave us a thumbs up and walked away. And that was the only time I was like, "Oh man, yeah." <laughs> yeah. So you yeah. play having done over two thousand gigs, you have spent a lot of time traveling. Is the traveling? Do you enjoy the travel? Is the travel a necessary evil for you? Or I mean, everyone handles it differently, but I absolutely love it. Yeah, good, good. You know, I don't know. I just it's a, sort of a catch twenty two. It's this kind of thing that when you're home, you can't wait to go back out on the road. 
Yeah. And when you're on the road, you can't wait to get back home. Okay. 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 <laughs> Just the way it is, you know. I mean, I like having, uh, you know, my time at home to recharge. And yeah. you know, I got my my puppy here that, uh, you know, I love him. And so when I'm gone, I miss him. But while I'm home, I want to get back out. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any uh, favorite cities you love going to? Uh... You know. Yes. Definitely. I mean. You know, uh, Europe has a bunch that I really like. I love, we've played in Amsterdam and we've played in London a lot and uh-huh. I love cities. There are, I, w- I don't, wouldn't say so much cities as much as just venues okay, or particular areas, you know? Yeah. Like we, we play in Atlanta. Well, normally, you know, historically we've played in Atlanta a lot. We love Atlanta, love DC, love LA and just California in general. Okay. Or go but then you know we uh you end up in a place like uh we were just in charleston south carolina we've never played there before uh-huh and, uh you know it was an amazing venue and the, the people were great and uh you know it's got a you know a sort of a, a long checkered history that's another story but you know being there and uh, uh spreading our positive sort of message uh felt good that's cool. That's cool. Well, let's take a listen to another song from your debut album. This is The Last Minute.
you just heard today's guest, Keith Slattery's song, The Last Minute. So, Keith, we do this thing on every episode that we do of the podcast, and it's called Bout It or Doubt It, okay? So if it's Bout It, it's something that you like. If you doubt it, it's something that you're not feeling. You up for playing? Absolutely. All right, well, let's go ahead and do it. I started get this body no by no If you bought it, get them up. I mean you body body. That I mean body. We say you body body. Uh, I represent. I doubt it. All right, so we're gonna go ahead. We're gonna go ahead and spin the wheel to get you a category, and then I'll ask you a few about it or doubt it questions. All right, let's spin the wheel. All right, Keith, your category is food and beverage. About it or doubt it. Sushi. Love it. Love it. Or am, okay. I say, <laughs> am I supposed to say about it? <laughs> no, no, that's cool. You can say love it. That's cool. You know, you couldn't have picked a better category for me. So <laughs> Okay, really? Okay. So so favorite sushi spots. Uh man. I wish I could tell you the name of the place. We were in California maybe six weeks or two months ago. And uh, we went down to San Diego to visit with uh, some friends, and also Lindsay's brother lives there. Okay. And I hit up this place that blew my mind, man. Really? Oh, oh just I, I, I would fly to San Diego just to have sushi at that spot. No kidding. What was so good about it? I, the quality was amazing. Okay. The, uh, and, you know, when they bring out fresh chopped wasabi, you know that they got game going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So the man's a sushi fan, everybody. All right. Well, let's do one more. How about how about mimosas? Yeah. Yeah. So more of a doubt it, huh? Yeah. I mean, I like I like sparkling stuff, but uh, you know, uh, it's a little on the sweet side for me. Yeah. Are you a wine? Are you a wine connoisseur though? Are you a? I say a connoisseur. Okay. Uh, you know, I drink wine occasionally, uh, and uh, but you know, historically. I've always loved the bubbly. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, so tell me, what was it that made you decide that you were going to be a musician, that that was your, your, your career path? <laughs> My, I was four years old when I started playing piano. No kidding. Yeah. We had my parents uh, and actually my two sisters weren't even born yet. We moved into this uh, brownstone in Brooklyn Heights, New York. Okay. And there was a piano in the house and my mother's, it was a really big place, mm -hmm. you know, three different floors, uh, probably 5,000 square feet. Wow. Huge place. And, uh, my mother said she was in the kitchen downstairs and she heard someone playing the piano and she thought someone had like come into the house. Really? She saw me sitting at the piano playing it. I don't really have recollection of the first time I laid my hands on a piano, but I know that it just came to me naturally. Huh. And uh, so then my parents got me into, I started taking lessons, group lessons at uh, a department store, A&S department store in Brooklyn, New York. Huh. Uh, when I think I was about five years old and I learned the basics of reading at that point. And then when I was about, I think, seven or so, uh, I started taking classical lessons from the same teacher that actually taught my uncle. My uncles, uh, my mother's uh, brothers are both musicians. Okay. Um, one of them has been doing it for, you know, professionally, and he's a pianist. 
So I don't know what kind of uh, influence they had on me. I mean, they definitely had influence with the type of music they were listening to. Mm -hmm. And they were always jamming and had other people around. And I ended up playing my first gig when I, I guess I was about maybe seven, eight years old, something like that. Wow. Uh, they, they were playing in a strip club. And on a certain, it was like a Tuesday or Wednesday night, they wouldn't have strippers in there and they would just have live music. Okay. And they brought me in and I, I played uh, a couple songs. Wow. So, so you um, were, you were really a child prodigy. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, so I continued lessons and I, uh, attended the, uh, high school performing arts in New York city, okay. which you ever saw the movie fame. Absolutely. It was, uh, that school then at, I mean, when I was about 14, I joined my first jazz fusion band and then, uh, I started, uh, recording and making money when I was like 16 or 17 with a, a lot of like R&B bands. Okay. Um, and I did a bunch of recordings with, you know, some obscure people, some people that weren't. I don't know how much you know about that music during that time, but uh-huh. uh, oh yeah, familiar with it. I you know I played on a record with Enchantment. Oh sure, uh, and uh, I played uh, keyboards on actually a song that was a pretty big hit from a band called Unlimited Touch. Oh sure, um, know them too. Yeah, that song uh, "Search and Search to Find the One." I remember that. That was a great song. Yeah, and I started uh, working with another band that had you know they had a top. 40 hit called must be the music uh the name was mm-hmm. called secret weapon and so that was my path i knew it i always was going to be a musician then i had a detour i got married really young okay and at some point uh, i guess my uh wife was like man you gotta make more money okay okay <laughs> <laughs> so i started doing other stuff and i sort of gave up music for you know i didn't give up i was always writing okay uh, and i was doing like you know gigs with like wedding bands here and there and that kind of thing but i wasn't really taking it seriously and then uh you know when i was about 35 i, I basically gave up everything and just completely you know decided that was what i was going to do regardless of how much money i was making good for you man good for you it's you know i was i was having a i have a two two 15 year old daughters and i was talking to them the other day and i was making a point that in life, if you do what you love, you will be good at it and the money will invariably come. So find what yeah. you love and do that. You know, that's the most important thing. You know, find what you love. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I wish I was more uh, aware of that concept when I was younger. Because yeah. I probably would have uh, started, you know, my serious music career at a younger age than I did. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you heard uh, um, something that you were on, featured on on the radio? I do not remember. Yeah, okay, 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 okay. Uh, But I do know that, you know, Searching to Find the One would have been the song. Okay, 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 yeah. I didn't play, there was another keyboard player on it. I think a guy named Fred McFarlane. I'm not sure, but uh, it was interesting because it was like when I heard it, I was like, man, I can't remember if I played that part or I played that part. Okay. (laughs) Because I used to work with these producers from Crown Heights Affair, and they would just bring in a giant. They bring in two keyboard players. They bring in two guitar players. Yeah. You know, they would just like, and they we would just cut all the music live, and then down the road you forget what parts you played on the song. You know, yeah, yeah. It was a great experience, and I learned a lot at a very young age about production and. I mean, that's kind of been what I've been doing for most of my life. You know, I've done a lot of hip hop uh, recording. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I was Kanye's engineer for a while before he uh, blew up. I played on his first 
record. And uh, so I worked at a studio in New York City that was like hip hop central. Okay. Okay. Like studios where actually Tupac was shot. Wow. But I, you know, I worked with all of the major hip hop artists of like the early 2000s. Okay. Okay. See, and that's one of the things I, I'm, I'm glad you're sharing that because, you know, people wouldn't know that. And like, I think it's really yeah. important to understand, like, you know, I've met so many musicians like yourself who are just influenced by so many different genres and have worked in so many different genres, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Do all of that, taking all that in, in whatever form, whether it be listening or working with people, you know, it affects and influences what you end up creating. Yeah. Yeah. Are there yeah. folks that you haven't worked with that you are just dying to work with? I mean, Stevie Wonder is at the top yeah. of the list. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's probably one of my biggest influences. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Stevie, and, that's know, a great influence. By just, you know, our, our exposure to the smooth jazz world, you know, we've gotten to become friends and work with people. I just, you know, like Jeff Lorber, you know, mm -hmm. like I still pinch myself every time I like, you know, get a phone call or, or hang out with him. I'm yeah. just like, and I, because I, I listened to him when I was like 17 years old, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you know, there's so many people. I mean, you know, Kirk Whalem is another one just to be around him. Is, yeah. Is like so inspiring, you know. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt. You, you're rattling off a list of some of my favorites all time, too, there. You know, Stevie and Jeff Warber and, and Kirk oh. Whalem. I mean, I, you know, boy, I mean, those are, those are artists who are, you know, yeah. a big part of the soundtrack of a lot of our lives, I think. And yeah. Just, and just, I have Make Meeks play on your album is like, you know, yeah. Yeah. You get any better than that. So you clearly you you are a um, a lover of music. Period. What's playing in your car right now? <laughs> I don't know. Watercolors gets played a bit just because uh, you know it's sort of in the background kind uh -huh. of thing. But uh, you know, lately I don't know. There've been some new artists that Lindsay has turned me on to that I've been listening to a little bit. I don't know. There's not. I go through periods where I'm interested in listening to music, and then I go through periods where I don't listen to any music. Really. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know, sometimes I just got to take a break from it. And, okay. uh, you know, I don't know, it just goes in cycles and there's no real explanation for it. But, you know, like if you were to, what I've been doing a lot lately is I put my phone on in the car and I put, set it to shuffle. Okay. And that way it jumped all over the place. So Ludacris could come on <laughs> and then, you know, I don't know, like some, you know, Chopin classical piano could be the next song okay and, you know okay so uh, i would say i mean i love all music i'm not a huge fan of any more of like the contemporary country music yeah yeah i i love old school country music uh -huh. like Merle haggard and you know that kind of stuff but uh and i'm not uh, i don't really listen to too much in the pop world or any contemporary hip-hop okay 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 that's where i'm just not really feeling yeah. that music understand understand yeah I'm, I'm i'm a little bit like you too i'm i've always kind of steered more towards i don't know i think for me it's a lot of it is um musicianship and um people who are good lyricists right because you can really tell like you can tell when yeah. something is a bit over engineered and you can tell when people really have serious talent you know yeah yeah i mean i think it's good to to check that stuff out but if, if i'm listening just for you know oh man i really want to hear this song you know you know, like Lindsay's a huge Ariana Grande fan. Okay. And, and I, I, I appreciate the writing and her singing and the production is amazing. 
but it just does nothing for my soul. Yeah, really. understand, understand completely. And that's me. I mean, you know, it's it's I I never make a judgment on what people listen to. If yeah. they're listening, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the beauty of music, right? I mean, it's whatever moves you and what moves that what moves different people is different, right? That's the beauty. Exactly. You can find something to move you. Yeah. So and you know that's the whole reason we put all the work into it is that connection to people's lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's listen to a little bit more music from you. Let's listen to uh, your song, 24 Hours.
once again, that was our guest today, Keith Slattery, with his song 24 Hours. So, Keith, another thing I love to do is to ask people if they can tell me, this might be really difficult for you because you are all over the place with your influences, but favorite three albums, your three favorite albums of all time. Well, um, Stevie is going to come up first. Yeah. And that, that's a real, that's a toss up between Intervision's talking book music on my mind mm-hmm. and uh, songs uh, in the key of life and yeah. fulfilling the finale, but I'm going to give it to songs in the key of life. Cause it's a double album. Gotcha. Gotcha. What other ones? Two more. You got two more favorites uh, that you can throw more. in? Yeah. Other than I'm Stevie. Say, uh, Chick Corea light as a feather. Yeah. Feather. I, mean, I think actually, I don't know if the band was called return to forever at that point, or I think it might've just been Chick Corea. Um, and let's see what's the next one. I'm gonna throw something weird at you. Okay. I went through a phase of listening to a band called Level 42. Yes, I know Level 42. <laughs> and there's uh, let me just look it up if I because I, I got it on my phone. World Machine. Okay. Uh, there's the song called World Machine. I heard it on the radio. This would have been probably about 1984 or yeah. 85, something like that. And I just fell in love with those guys. Uh, they have this strange people laugh at me because I don't know, it's kind of like dated and, you know, but uh, I just did the playing on the album and I don't know that music hits me in a certain way. And it also reminds me of that time in my life when I was yeah. listening to it. Uh-huh. So, then they have a big song called something about you. Oh yeah. 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 That's yeah. I remember level 42. It wasn't. Yeah. It was on that album. It was the first song on that album. Okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah, back from the MTV era. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. But, you know, like, to just pick three is like, geez, I don't know, I could probably pick 20. I understand, yeah. I mean, Headhunters was a huge, huge one for me when I was younger, so. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I just picked four. (laughs) Well, that's okay. That's pretty cool, because I know for me, that would be hard to do, too. That's one of the reasons I love to ask this question, because it really makes you kind of go back. I know, because for me, like, there's so many that, there's so many that I listen to, like, all the time. Like, I can spend a day listening to Stevie and not, and and be completely, completely happy, right? Completely happy. And. And there's so, I mean, we were in the car the other day and a song, a Fleetwood Mac song came from that, uh, that huge album they had called Rumors. Mm-hmm. I love that record. And it's not in the world of music that I write at all. But, yeah. you know, so there are like some really, I, I probably could come up with some strange albums that I really like that have nothing to do with what I create, but yeah. somehow were a big influence on me. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's a, that's a sign of a true music lover, though, I think. So, Keith, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tax your mind again here. You, you're having a dinner party, and you can invite any three people, living or deceased. Who's coming to your dinner party and why? Oh, man. Well, <laughs> Chick Corea is the top of the list. Okay. Uh, why? Because that guy just is just unbelievable amazing i you know uh, such an influence and uh such a cool guy i actually have a friend who had a i don't know if we have time but i can tell you no, a little story go for it. tell me the story please my friend was uh and he's been a big supporter he's actually an orthopedic surgeon in new jersey michael palmer is his name and uh he told me a story where he was in the air force he was stationed in italy and he went to see chick korea and uh Chickaree keeps looking at him. He's sitting in the front row and, uh-huh. and Michael Palmer never had met him before. And he keeps like giving him this look. 
And uh, after the show, some guy walks up to him and says, Chick would like to talk to you. You know, this is like pretty ah. intimidating. You know what I mean? And he brings him backstage. And I guess Chick Corea maybe thought he knew him or something like that. Ended up they were doing like, you know, I don't know, like a week, a two-week tour throughout Italy. And uh, uh, Mika, that's what we call Michael, uh, you know, he was fluent in Italian. And they hit it off and they ended up, he ended up traveling around with them to all these gigs and sort of being a translator. For wow. So cool. You know, that's pretty cool. So uh, let's see who else, man, that is, that is a really tough one because, you know, just cause you like someone's music or you're saying anyone, anyone. Yeah. Anyone. I know some people are going to think I'm crazy, but I, I would love to have dinner with Bill Clinton. Okay. 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 <laughs> I, you know, the guy's a Rhodes Scholar, and he's seen so much. Man, I'd want to ask him some crazy questions about UFOs. <laughs> and uh, who else? This is a tough one, and I really probably um, – who else? Because I don't, I don't want to pick another – I should have picked two women and one guy. Man, I don't know. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with – even though this is kind of a crazy one, I'm going to go with Billy Holiday. Oh, cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you ever saw that that movie. You know, there was that you know movie where it was sort of about her life. I don't know mm-hmm. how true, but you know her story and what she went through, man, traveling all over, you know, with black women at that time. Yeah, and yeah. She was very like strong and like you know. I mean, at least that's sort of the story they tell you. Yep. You know, plus just her whole, you know, her history of all the music she did, man. That would be a very strange combination. People, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool though, but that sounds like that'd be a fun dinner party, man. That sounds like that'd be a fun dinner party. That's yeah, awesome. Man. So any any thoughts or plans on uh doing a solo Keith Slattery tour? People ask me about it. It's not really in my uh what I'm thinking about right okay. now. You know, our tour schedule is is very thin basically after the run that we just did going into for the rest of the year. Okay. Um, and I'm kind of like happy about that. Cause I want to just be writing. Yeah. So, you know, we've been, we started doing some recording on Lindsay's next uh, album. Uh, we uh, tracked a bunch of songs down in Atlanta with, uh, I don't know if you know, Lil John. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. The drummer. He's, uh, you know, stuff with George Duke and George Benson and, you know, a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So we got uh, a few songs that we're working on from that. And, uh, you know, uh, while I'm proud of my first album, Duality, I feel like I want to come out with an album that's a thousand times better. Yeah. That's that's just what artists do. You know, yeah, they put yeah. out stuff and they go, all right, well, now I'm on to the next. So I really want to take a lot of time writing. This one, I did not spend a lot of time writing my first album. Okay. Uh, I I probably am going to have a little bit of a different approach. Uh, I mean, there'll definitely be, you know, contemporary jazz stuff, but I think there'll be a little bit more of a traditional jazz thing going on. Right. Right. So, yeah, it's not really my focus. I mean, if we maybe start playing a song during, you know, gigs that Lindsay has, you know, uh, that I would be into doing something like that. But actually going out and booking gigs, not really interested in that. Gotcha. 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 Good. Well, we're so glad that you uh, that you shared 
duality with us, Keith. Um, you know, I've enjoyed listening to it and have uh, enjoyed your music with Lindsay and have really enjoyed uh, taking some time, you being able to take some time to uh, to let us learn a little bit more about you and your music, man. So we thank you yeah, for man. being with us today. And yeah, thank, uh, I, I just want to mention to you, well, first of all, thank you for having me. But uh, we just played in Toledo, Ohio this past weekend. Okay. And I had two people, separate people, say, oh, man, you know, I heard Lindsay on that Fresh Coast Jazz podcast or whatever. I forget what exactly what you call it. Yeah, uh, Fresh Coast Jazz yeah. backstage. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I was like, oh, I'm doing one this week. And they were like, oh, man, we really like that show. So That's awesome. Or, thank, well, you thank, you for, thank you for sharing that with me, man. That, that makes me feel good. Yeah. So, yeah, that was cool. Yeah. All right. Well, all the best to you, man. And I look forward to seeing you guys out on the road sometime soon. I look forward to hearing more work from you and from Lindsay. And again, we appreciate your time, Keith. Have a great one. All right. Thank you so much, Carl. All right, man. All right. Have a good one. You too. That's our show for this week. Be sure to check out our website, freshcoastjazz.com, to sign up for our email list so you can stay up on what's going on with contemporary jazz. We'll see you next time on Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage.